2: Back and bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob.
1: All right, we are back. It is another unofficial 40 podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com, brought to you by Dansoxy.com, and uh, we welcome in the entire crew as we get ready for a huge weekend uh, that will entail recruiting and transfers and, uh, people coming in and going out and, uh, and, uh, to welcome us in is, uh, all the crew, uh, Josh, Eddie, Bob, they are here. And I got to be honest with you, you guys have been killing it. Lots of information out there. Uh, I have been getting texts, you know, and in, in DMs left and right and, uh, just notifications from the war room group, just all the stuff that's floating around and you don't just have, you know, oh, you getting involved with players. You have coaches being hired. You have you have Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, all this stuff floating around, floating around out there as well. Uh, and I know there's a big list going on, but basically, I told you guys before the podcast started, I am worthless. Uh, we are operating on basically a shoestring uh, with technology as far as it's concerned. Everything is being moved to the office. Uh, we could barely even do the podcast today. Uh, Josh is going to sound not quite as lovely as usual. So. Uh, I will turn it over to the crew that actually does work for a living, you guys. Uh, Josh, first, let's start with you. Just kind of set the scene for us and and what OU is going through right now uh, and what they've got in store this weekend.
2: Yeah, you know, you mix in the blend of portal guys that are are coming in, which I believe, and Bob I know knows the exact number, I believe it's seven. I mean, uh, over the next 72 hours or whatever, it's just a massive list. There's already guys. Uh, I know you got it confirmed just a little while ago that Michael Trigg and Jackson Dart are currently en route to Oklahoma. Uh, they're going to do their visit today. So uh, the is two USC transfers, day, that's my understanding that that's okay. what it sounds like. Is it just going to be kind of in and out? Same as old Miss yesterday, um, you know, and Bob, to me, that's the interesting part is how different this is than what you and I are used to from a recruiting standpoint where it's 48 hours and these guys are really (laughs) soaking it all up. These dudes, it's just, you know, like Eddie and I were talking about it yesterday. It's like, they just said, you know what? We did really well with these zoom meetings. We're just going to (laughs) go with that and make it 20, you know, like we're going to hit all the highlights and then just get out of town and, you know, go on to the next thing. So I, that's what I've noticed. And then obviously you have um, uh, a lot of official visits, uh, you know, kind of rumors and talk going around. What, what's interesting is one of the names that I think everybody wants to talk about is Josh Connerly, the big rivals, 100 offensive lineman from Washington, that everybody is reporting is coming in. I'm on that boat as well, but I can tell you, There is absolutely a set of people that are like, let's just see if he gets on the plane, you know, kind (laughs) of not, not that he's given any reason to believe that he won't just kind of, he's been a tough guy to track. And I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting to see if that will come to pass.
0: It's insane to think that like just how much and josh we were kind of talking about this yesterday just as far as like how much has really changed over the last couple years specifically with the transport portal but i mean we're talking about like massive wholesale changes obviously dylan gabriel is coming into uh norman to start his semester this weekend he's coming in from hawaii you have uh the early enrollees i i guess is quarterback probably the easiest place to start because as we're recording this chuba purdy is wrapping up his uh he's no, done i he's guess done. is it yeah. are we calling it an, an official visit like no I, think, I, I don't they don't have a. they just go whatever they feel like so i'm just saying visit. Okay. <laughs> visit okay i like done. that i like <laughs> that because it's like like, what exactly are you trying to learn when some of these guys? And you know, Bob, we were talking about this before we started the. By the way, the pod,
1: I I did clear this up this morning because uh, I wasn't sure, and somebody asked me the question. Maybe you guys have already discussed this, but like, you, oh, you can't pay for his visit. Like with the transfer right. portal, you do, you are able to pay for those visits for them to fly in. And you pay for their flights and wherever they stay. Uh, I don't think you can pay for their family, kind of like recruiting vi- trips. Or no, you can pay. I think now with recruiting trips, so. Yes. Um, but you only get five of them if you're a transfer, and then you, everything else is on your own dime. So, like, Caleb Williams is going so many places, like, he's going to have to pay for some of them. But I did find that interesting that transfer portal visits are the same as official recruiting visits where the school can pay for them.
0: But it's not in terms of you don't get, like, a host. You're not staying with, like, a like <laughs> like a like a, like a player, right? Like, it, Well, like, there wouldn't be any players on campus. <laughs> sure. That makes sense, too. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Well, no, just, and... It, and and you don't have to stay, you know, the
3: forty eight hours. Like as as we're sure. seeing. As like Jeffrey Johnson, the two-lane defensive lineman is going Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. I mean, that sounds like insanity to hit four schools in five days, but that's exactly what he's done. He did LSU, he's in Norman right now. Then he's doing Missouri and and then he's doing Michigan. And and that that is just crazy to think that you can learn everything you need to know and be able to compartmentalize everything and be able to make your choice. But that's what a lot of these kids are doing.
0: I would love to be a fly on the wall as, as these visits happen as far as not necessarily what they're presenting to the players, because I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm sure that Levy is going over what they want to be able to do offensively. Venables gives a, you know, a little bit of a future uh, outlook for the program, but The quarterback thing is so fascinating because you have Chuba Purdy, as you'd reported Bob coming in. Uh, You have Jackson Dart, as we've reported on the board, uh, coming in as well. And oh, by the way, I mean, you still, I guess, technically have Caleb Williams hanging over everybody. Like, bottom line, if Caleb Williams picks up the phone today and, like, Something happens, and he says, "I want to go back to Oklahoma and play." I think we all agree that they're not saying no. Like, where is where do we even want to begin to unpack? Like, how this whole thing is going down at the quarterback position?
2: I don't even know where you that's, start. That's
0: a perfect way to say it. Isn't <laughs> all right, it? Like, we're good. Yeah, like, I mean, like, the,
2: the, it's, it's,
0: it's it's a WTF moment for sure. Yep,
2: guys. The thing we we should start with the thing that will please all of our listeners the most. I think there is a world in which Lincoln Riley gets neither Jackson Dart nor Caleb Williams.
1: Yeah, that's the most important thing to start with. Agreed. Which would be (laughs) awesome. I actually agree with that. He chases away his quarterbacks he does have. No way. Yeah, but the perfect situation you chase away the quarterback that you did have and don't end up getting the one that you thought you were going to get. Yep, And maybe this is the Williams way of screwing Lincoln Riley who screwed them.
0: <laughs> the long con from <laughs> Caleb's side. I guess there, there is a part of me that thinks like, what did he already be committed to USC if that was going to happen? you think so. Unless USC It's kind of like, like the didn't... Venables stuff. It's like, I, right. I feel like we're back at the Thursday of that Venables week where it was like, hmm, okay, is it really going to be Brent? Because what, what else would they be waiting on?
1: Or have we arrived at that place where the money that Carl Williams wants is just not there? I I think can both be true. I definitely think it was true with Oklahoma and Georgia.
2: I, I don't think there's any question that there was an overestimation of the market. And guys, we talked about that when this happened. Like it's not gonna it was never gonna play the way we were hearing they expected it to. Um, and you know, that, that happens like that. That's understandable, but at some point, like they're getting up against it. I mean, you're getting to this point where these schools, you know, as, as much as they want Caleb Williams, this isn't recruiting. You know, I, I say in recruiting all the time, Oh, uh, you know, this guy, he can wait until school starts, or he can wait until the fall. If you're a quarterback and you're in the portal, you're looking to get all, you know, get in the spring, get in as quickly as possible, start taking reps, doing all the stuff you've got to do. And, you know, I know people say, well, Caleb Williams knows what USC is going to do. Yeah, sure. Fine. But these other schools are going to start evaporating because they've got to, they've got to get off the carousel. They've got to have whoever their quarterback is going to be, whether it's Purdy, whether it's Caleb, whether it's Jackson Dart. And, you know, it's the same few schools all competing for these same, you know, small group of guys.
3: It's you know, Josh, it's, we, we talk a lot about the connection with Caleb and Mario. Is it the same with Jackson and Michael Trigg? Or are we overestimating that sort of package deal?
2: I don't know. And, I, and I've talked to some pretty good sources on this. I don't think it is certain, but I definitely think that's what they would prefer. I, I think they both recognize that, you know, the other one is very talented and it would be good to go somewhere where you have, you know, someone that you're familiar with it, it. You know, if they choose to not return to USC, they could go to Oklahoma or Ole Miss or any of these other places and have, you know, that easy familiarity. So I, I, I don't think it's as direct as, you know, Mario Williams has basically come out and said he, he wants to go play with Caleb. Now, the Texas visit makes that interesting because we've heard, you know, there's, well, not even we've heard, there's no way Caleb Williams is in play at Texas with the King, Quinn Ewer situation. So I don't know what to make of how that's going to play.
0: And I I take it, I take it a step further and say that I, you know, as of yesterday, I talked to some people that believe from the Mario Williams side, anywhere in Los Angeles, whether it be USC or UCLA is probably too far for Mario Williams. I mean, Forget that I, I don't forget, you don't forget, but I think people do forget kids from Tampa, Tampa, Florida, Orlando, Florida. It's like, I just, I don't know. That Bob and I were talking about that before we started. It's like that whole situation is bizarre. It's almost as bizarre as the Caleb Williams stuff uh, pertaining to Mario Williams.
1: I think I have a it- bold prediction for Caleb Williams. Okay. I think the only school that can wow his people are the people that put together the stuff that I saw this year with uh Kayvon Thibodeau I think Phil Knight could end up wowing the Williams family and Nike is yes,
0: not already wowed I mean Bo Nix is up there though and I'm not saying that he wouldn't start ahead of Bo
1: yeah Nicks. come on that's Bo Nix just <laughs>
0: like but but you kind of get where I'm coming from like but we're Bo Nix was through, up there before. Deciding. Was Was Caleb Williams even in the
1: portal when Bo Nix made that decision?
3: No. 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 That
1: was, that was a while ago. I mean, <laughs> you, are you going to tell no, me no, all the things? So and here's the thing. Way. All the stuff we've heard about Dan Lan- Lanning and how aggressive he is and how aggressive he's going to be, you think that he's not going to make a play here? That he's not going to put something together? I'm well, just saying. This goes back to
3: relationships because Kenny Dan Dillingham Lanning, yeah, and remember? Well, remember, just like
1: Labby and Dylan Gabriel. But you have got to do what you got to do. And remember, everybody was pointing out how Caleb Williams followed Dan Lanning when he, when his name was out there as the you know possible head coach at Oklahoma. Sure. So there is a relationship there. I'm just none of us
3: could confirm when that follow happened, though. I right. still think that was no, no, no. Back. I
1: think everybody agreed it was from yeah. back when he was in high school. Still. But that's the Let's thing. Put it more bluntly, Oregon's not going to be afraid
0: to cheat over the next couple of years.
1: <laughs> or maybe they're just going to tell Caleb Williams, you know what, if you come in here and you start and you win Heisman, we'll make you the first college athlete with his own shoe line.
2: Well, and Eddie, you, you're forgetting, I mean, from Kayvon Thibodeau's comments that, uh, again, Oregon is a well-stated place of higher learning. I mean, always been a very well-respected university. You know, it's a... Uh, uh a Jimmy Lake special. So there is um you know scholars like Colt Lyerla, you know guys like that That's that a name really, I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, yeah really <laughs> went to went to Oregon for the uh the chance to get a degree. So um Plus, Oregon, yeah. Plus, Oregon
0: would make things interesting.
2: It it, 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 it's make an, it makes sense, Gary. You're not wrong. Like, I've heard nothing like that, but it makes sense. If you I know. I'm not
1: it. saying like, oh, I've heard this is happening. I'm just saying. Sure, sure. Like, if this is going to continue to be, uh, you know, a shopping spree, you know, or a, a shop around or whatever you want to call it, I could see that developing.
0: I find the most interesting aspect of all of this to be, like, fast forward to Sunday. Say the Jackson Dart uh, visit goes very well. Say that he's, ready to commit, would Oklahoma, I guess, in a way, I, like, I don't want to say that they're... I, I get the feeling there are people down there that are ready to tell Caleb Williams, thanks but no thanks. From I a think football you have perspective, to. it doesn't make sense.
1: I think you have to. If, I mean, does it, didn't Lincoln Riley... I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but it would seem to me that Lincoln Riley lost Jackson Dart because he wasn't willing to commit to you know him being his quarterback the next year
0: well and that and i think that that's where that kind of i think we all read between the lines when jackson dart entered the transfer portal on monday was the fact that uh you go okay he knows that caleb williams is coming which i right. think kind of in my mind accelerated everything to thinking okay caleb williams is going to be committed to usc by and then Wednesday the uniform
1: afterwards. thing came out
0: and that yeah and then that came out and like i still i'm talk to people that are, you know, loosely affiliated in Los Angeles, and they don't think that it's just a done deal that he's coming. Now, maybe that word hasn't leaked over to them yet, and maybe there is something going on. But, like, this idea that Caleb uh, and the Team Williams are just locked in with USC, I don't think that that's the case as we record this on Thursday. Do I still think that there's probably a pretty good chance that's where he ends up? That's the only thing that makes sense to me right now.
1: The problem is that we don't know what makes sense to the Williams family. We didn't know what sure. they're really looking for. Like what's, what's the end well, game I mean, there?
0: It depends on what narrative you want to. I mean, if you listen to a national reporter, it's development, 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 which, you know, I think that we've, it's basically bullshit. bunked that yeah. more <laughs> hammered than, that home enough. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things. The more you say it, the less I believe it. I'm sorry. That's just, that's the way that it it, it feels to me. Uh, Like, so I guess in a way, what I'm trying to ask is, is Jackson Dart in Oklahoma sooner by the end of the weekend? (laughs) Like, and, and, and on top of that, how does Dylan Gabriel take that news? Like, I would love to know what those conversations are like behind closed doors. Like, I think that they were probably pretty upfront with Gabriel and that, but what did we say from day one? They're taking two quarterbacks. They wanted yep. to.
1: Or they, or they right. were getting Caleb Williams back at that point, and they didn't know for sure.
0: Sure. That's also another possibility. Like, it kind of feels like they feel. Well, the whole And they, being people rolling Norman, the, feel rolling, like they have a pretty good chance of getting Jackson Dart.
1: The whole rolling the dice thing with Dylan Gabriel, though, that kind of made it open. Like, I don't know if this is my job, but I'm going to take a stab at winning it.
0: Sure. Oh yeah, the 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 tweet that he sent out and stuff is that what his commitment tweet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I start reading too much into things
3: by the Central Florida transfer uh, receiver going to the Bruins instead of going to the Sooners. I don't know if OU ever showed any interest. We just all thought, oh, well, he's going to follow Dylan, but then he didn't.
0: Yeah, I and I can see that being a situation of him just—he's from that area. Doesn't he have a brother that plays at UCLA? Like, I, that could make sense. I think that we probably jumped the gun on that just because it made so much sense that he went to Central Florida uh, because of that Gabriel
2: connection. Guys, is there any position that's confused you more? I mean, I know we're kind of talking quarterbacks, but the way OU has handled wide receivers in the ball yes. has been very surprising to me. It's yes. been very passive, and I would have thought maybe more than any other position, it's where they would be aggressive.
3: We thought Antoine Wells might be a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kieran Lacey. I, I, did OU ever make the offer, or is he just hell-bent on being LSU or Auburn? It, those were two names that like, okay, let's follow every single move that they're about to make because OU's got to get involved, and here we are. It still doesn't feel like they actually are. And Wells committed to Beamer on Monday, so now he's, now he's off the board, too. Is
0: that because they... I don't want to say necessarily like what's in the portal. Uh, is that because they feel comfortable with what's coming back? I like. And just I num- think Bruce Feldman n- does a great job, but it just doesn't seem like yeah, there's just a ton of wide receivers need, ready to
3: leave. They need more just based on sure. numbers. And you lose sure. Mike Woods, too. And you think about who was there for the Alamo Bowl and you're actually losing guys, too. Uh, it's like that is not a deep room by any stretch.
2: I mean, th- they've got seven current guys and three of those seven are Jalil, Farouk, Cody Jackson, Trevon West that have played almost no football.
3: I'm right there with you, Josh. I thought they were yeah, I mean, attacking attack at
2: in Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson, who uh, you you've got to think Nick Anderson's like, man, this is perfect. Like he went to OU largely built on Lincoln Riley and you know, his brother's connection to the university and all that but Nick Anderson's almost a prototype for for what Jeff Levy has done offensively. So he's got to think that. That worked out pretty nicely for me. Um, And then obviously Jaden Gibson's tremendously talented, but I, I mean, you're just, it's a shocking lack of experience at receiver. Um, And when you throw in the quarterbacks coming in, it's a new offense being learned. I mean, there's a lot to process in a short amount of time there.
0: Yeah, you're almost banking on somebody like a Theo Weiss really mm-hmm. bouncing back and having the type of, uh, not just season, but the type of you know ending to his career that I think a lot of people thought he was going to have coming out of Allen.
1: Well, I'd say, you know, with Weiss, you feel like he's pretty locked in. Um, I mean, just from the tweets that he's made, I mean, not not recent recently, but early on. And then we still haven't heard anything as, thing on Mims that leads us to believe that he's looking elsewhere. Although with all this stuff, it could happen overnight. I mean, L- Trail McCutcheon yep. pretty much happened in a span of two days. So well, I mean, but I mean, but here's and, and the Bruce question:
2: Feldman's convinced, you know, half the roster is going to follow Caleb <laughs> Williams wherever he goes. So
1: whoever he's got, that's got to be a USC person saying that.
2: Yep, I, I think feel
0: like 100%. If, Am I? I guess reading this right and that I just feel like that's one of those things that it's, it's become so vital for somebody that covers this stuff day to day. Like we do that from the, from the outside looking in, if I was talking nationally about another program, you would think that there maybe there would be guys ready to follow when you look at how important, you know, Caleb was to the 2021 class, the, just the aspect of uh, you know, the Sooner Summit, everything that was kind of made into that, I could see why somebody from the outside looking in would think, you know, wherever Caleb goes, there's going to be guys that follow.
1: Here's the thing to me. I think But we
0: know that that's probably not
1: the case. The players did love Caleb Williams. Like, when he came in and played well, like, everybody supported him. They were They were totally behind him. But I think then when this NIL stuff gets involved in it, it's like, it's kind of like the way the fans feel. It's like, Are you with us or are you for you? Like, who are you? Like, are you a teammate or are you a business on your own? Like, that's separate from us. Like, I think that's got to be off-putting for some people. It's like, who's, okay, so I follow you. I help you get better. You're going to be the one that gets all the praise and the money and the, you know, accolades out of it. Like, why should I be kind of like your lackey? I want to make a name for myself. I don't know.
0: It, no, I, it, it, that makes a lot of sense, Kerry. Just like, I, it feels like, again, I keep going back to this idea that the way that Oklahoma's operating, it just, they, it, it feels like they've seen the writing on the wall with Caleb. Uh, it's just coming out as we're recording this that Chip Kelly's expected to uh, sign a new deal with UCLA. I know that there were some questions going into, uh, you know, this weekend with his buyout expiring on the 15th, coming up on Sunday. It just feels like, the Caleb Williams era is over at Oklahoma and you know i to a certain extent i think that there's a lot of people that are completely okay with that especially with what could be coming in i think is my, that a good th- way to like, kind of wrap that up i think up? most like, fans have prepared I know it themselves sounds shitty, that it's not shitty, but it's over. just kind of that it is what it is it's just like you know
1: if you got a dog i'm sorry josh if you got a dog it's not doing well you prepare yourself for the day that you're going to have to put it down like i think OU fans have prepared themselves to lose Caleb Williams. And Caleb
3: prepared them with his statements after the bowl game. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it's true. It's true. How many days ago was that, by the way?
0: The bowl game? Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah two weeks. Sounds like it's been yeah. two months. Just over 15 days, <laughs> two right? Two weeks in a day, right? Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Would have been in two weeks from last night or Wednesday night. Insane. 15 days what as far as dart goes josh and i know he he so he started three games he played in six at usc a year ago even going back into high school how familiar are are you with uh jackson dart and what he was coming
2: out of uh what is it
0: canyon springs high school in utah uh
2: yeah yeah he was a guy that really blew up late because, you know, most of the West coast, as we all know, just didn't play football in 2020. So he kind of had, he was one, Utah was one of the few States that went ahead and did play and he put together a great season. I, I believe led them to a state title. If I remember at least it was a deep run in the playoffs. I'm, I'm, I'm a little foggy on actually how it finished, but I, you know, was a guy that just really took off and got a lot of attention. And I know, Talking to some people that you know that watched him, watched his freshman stuff at USC, and you know, kind of have a feel for him, you know, I guess as a as a player, as a kid, whatever you want to say, th- there were very high expectations. They they there was some real belief that he was going to be the guy. And I know I talked to some people that you know we made the joke earlier or you know joke whatever guess that you know Dart and Caleb don't end up at USC. I know some people that really thought, you know, maybe, oh, you know, maybe Lincoln Riley needs to think long and hard, whether he wants to get involved with Caleb Williams when he already has Jackson Dart in the fold, Um, that there was that level of belief in his talent. He really impressed some people and, you know, people will say, oh, he only had so many offers and he wasn't in the top 100. Again, he came on late. He plays in a state that isn't just rife with talent and doesn't have a lot of people flying in to go see, you know, their, their games and things. So I I think there was a, a hesitance about going too crazy with him. But at the same time, like I said, when you emerge late and people don't see you, you kind of can't make the moves everybody else does. And at quarterback, there's only going to be so many spots available to you as far as his offer list and things like that. Because, you know, you can't go. Yeah, for example, perfect example, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's not going to go offer Jackson Dart. They already had Caleb Williams. Georgia's not going to go offer him. They've already got Brock Vandegrift. The quarterback, the chips fall so early that sometimes guys like this can get lost in the you know kind of in the shuffle a little bit. But like I said, I, watching some of his freshman stuff, this is a guy that's got a ton of arm talent. He he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not saying he's Caleb Williams when he runs the ball. But there's a there's plenty to like there, and I know Eddie, you had heard some things that this was kind of a no doubt pursuit for Oklahoma. Once he hit the portal, Oklahoma was you know kind of of the opinion, hey, we we have to you know at least see if this guy would be interested.
0: Yeah, and I I would even say that I think that it was a situation, and I don't know how this went down exactly, but I think Dart reached out to Oklahoma, not the other way around.
2: It, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. And again, the, the you know, the things that I, is, I'll it, obviously it, just real quick, it, it's kind of funny
0: if that's the way that it goes, that we're talking about development with Caleb Williams when Jackson Dart immediately identifies Jeff Levy as somebody that he might want to work with. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, no, no, you're fine. And again, that plays into what Bob was asking me earlier about the trig and Dart connection. I've I have felt like Trig is very, very interested and I've had a tougher time getting a read on where Dart is in the situation. Um and I you know, and for people that would kind of wonder, um Trig has some family, including a member on our board that uh you know are big OU fans. So he, he's kind of been inundated with that
3: for and a while. College. I
2: know. He kept yeah. and, and, for
3: like last year and, and, or so. <laughs>
2: And I know at various points they had tried to get OU interested and that that's where it gets interesting because OU never really did. And then Lincoln Riley's trying to convince Michael Trigg to stay. And it's kind of like, well, you were, you know, you didn't think I was good enough then. And I know people will turn around and say, well, you know, a lot of that offensive staff still at OU, the offensive coordinator is different. The tight ends coach is different and the tight ends coach, Joe John Finley offered Trigg at Ole Miss and they have some connections. So, there's a lot that works for OU in that kind of push and pull between would he go back to USC, would he come to Oklahoma? And I, I, that'll be interesting. And again, if Eddie, what you're hearing is right, and that Dart reached out to Oklahoma, you know, the, like I said, those two, from what I gather, would like to play together. And if they're both at a high level of interest, maybe that can work out for OU. And, you know, OU fans can get their dream of just being able to kind of say, hey, we're, we're fine without Caleb and move forward and let him do whatever he's going to do.
1: All right, want to take a little time out uh, remind you guys, deadsoxy.com is your place uh, to go, especially now that it's gotten cooler outside. I'm sure you've gone through that sock drawer and you said, man, I, I really need to replace some of my socks that I wear to work. Uh, you can do it with deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S. Is there a
0: concern about the tight end numbers?
1: I was gonna about to say that. You'd go from two to five
3: in a heartbeat. You you, don't, you went from thinking it was Jason Llewellyn and Caden Helms as true freshmen that and they were just gonna have to learn as they go to taking Daniel Parker, more of a blocking guy, Braden Willis announcing he's coming back, and then you could add Trig. That room changes in a hurry. Yeah. The
2: the part where I think, you know, you have to say, okay, this is going to, you know, you we just have to make that work is that if, you know, say, say you said, oh, okay, the numbers are just too much. Well, next year you turn around and then you're right back in the same boat with Llewellyn and Helms as your only two tight ends. And you don't know how much experience they're going to get this year behind Willis and Parker. So I, I think trig gives you an easy gap of, okay. And now you can look into that 2023 class and kind of think, you know, like, what do we want to do here? It gives you a little flexibility. And, yeah, you're riding a little heavier than you would want to in your tight end room. But with Lebby and some of his reliance on the run game, I'm sure he can find some things that could work. Because Trig, I mean, guys, we're talking about, you know, wide receiver numbers. You could flex Trig. You could flex Helms. Like, the, they're... They're borderline receivers as it is. I mean, they're not I, pure inline guys.
3: I talked to Jason yesterday. He did not have a problem with anything that's happened with picking up Parker, with Braden staying, with them looking at you. That was not an issue at uh, at all. He appreciates the experience that's coming in, so that he can learn from some from some of those guys. And it's just like if that doesn't change how I'm going to work when I get there. I'm still going to put in everything I got. And then we'll just see how things happen.
2: The, that that's Alito. I mean, that that that's a guy that comes from a program. That's like, yeah, man, there's, there's good players. You're going to have to go beat them out and you're going to have to win. And, you know, they know what it, you know, like kind of the stuff it takes. And I, I just think they're, they're kind of wired to compete. And I, I, so I don't, I, that doesn't shock me at all, that he kind of has a feel for that. Um, one of the, you know, I I guess as you look at it, one of the things I kind of keep waiting to emerge is if Oklahoma gets involved in the running backs. And I, now I haven't seen a lot of names that I'm like, Oh, that, that, that gets, you know, that kind of blows your hair back. And I think with Marcus major returning, it definitely softened the need a little bit. I mean, four running backs is a pretty good room. You'd like to have one more. Noah Kane is interesting from Penn State. I mean, that that's obviously a name that people remember. Um, and I think did, probably, oh, did OU cool on him? Isn't yes. that
3: if it wasn't yes. Kane cooling on the Sooners of OU moving up? Yeah.
2: That that but was always my read. Yeah.
3: It was a different, different staff
2: too. Sure. Sure. And not,
3: you know, not DeMarco yet.
2: No, absolutely not. And you know, you, you would think it makes some sense because with Noah and his injuries and kind of the lackluster production, you'd expect like, okay, the market's not going to be real hot for him, but it's good enough. And he gets to go and play, you know, he could come back a little closer to home, um, you know, play under a guy like DeMarco Murray, kind of earn his way. He's going to have more experience than really any back on OU's roster. I mean, probably even including Eric Gray, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I would think those two are pretty close in that regard. And he's kind of a big power back that fits what Levy likes to do. I mean, there are things that make sense. I'm not saying I've heard anything, but it's just kind of one of those interesting deals where, um, you know, and, and I, I guess the thing I can't get over, guys, is do you remember like three pods ago we were like, Well, is Brent Venables gonna get involved in the in the transfer <laughs> at all? And like it's the craziest year we've ever seen as far as that goes.
3: And then I mean, there are so many people coming in. Is this going to be a lot of like it's either or and it's not and like when you're bringing couple defensive linemen, couple guys in the secondary, they're not going to take them all, right? I I don't know how the numbers really stack up. I'm just one like there's been a couple kids who have told us flat out this is their only visit. Are they really yeah. going to take both? Or is it all of a sudden that guy is going to have to learn Sunday? Oh crap! I don't have a I I I don't have a school now.
2: You know. W- I don't know that I have laid out that full story and we'll, we'll wait until post signing day, but with the whole Jaron Kanak situation, I know I've talked with you guys about it. I'll tease it a little bit for, you know, for our listeners, I, I do a kind of post NSD thread where people just ask questions it ends up being 400 posts long. It's just a wild thing that we've done every year for a long time. The Jaron Canak situation makes me think that OU is willing to play that level of tough ball if that's what it is, Hey man, we're, we're sorry, but you know, you could have jumped on this, you didn't do it, you know, kind of first come first serve. But I will say the numbers seem to be there. I mean, like you look at what OU has returning, which is a very, you know, like we we've got them at, you know, my, my last update was 62 scholarship players currently. And you've got you know seventeen incoming freshmen, and there's still a few guys like Deshaun White, uh, Brian Mead. I mean, there's there's a few guys that I'd love to know the final verdict on. Um, Mead Mead
3: Mead was a super senior.
2: Okay, then then he then I'm at sixty one. See, I, yep. I I will flat out own. I cannot keep track of that. Like I, the I, I need to live in a world where after five years you leave. Like I, it is too confusing for me for the, for how that all works, but it doesn't matter. So that, so again, there's room anywhere from about seven to 10 guys from the portal would be my expectation. And, you know, and again, my sixty-one, sixty-two includes Daniel Parker, includes McCabe Mattower, includes Jonah LaLewis. So like, I mean, there are already guys that they've already fulfilled. So you could, you're talking about six, seven, eight more, I think are completely within reason for them to bring back. Or I guess add to the roster.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, it certainly seems like, like the Trey Morrison seems like a, is he a perfect example of one of those guys? Like based off some of the notes that you put up, Josh, it seems like he's coming with his bags back to Norman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is very much the impression I got. I, I and I mean, I love it. I, I love how blunt he was, you know, for those that don't know Trey Morrison, uh grad transfer from North Carolina as a guy that, you know, you talk to people at North Carolina, one of their more diverse uh, defenders, really defensive backs, smaller guy. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where we'd all gotten so used to the Grinch model of what they were looking for. This is more of a, you know, five nine one eighty five kind of do it all type defensive back. And, you know, obviously Brent and that the, the guys from Clemson being familiar with him in the ACC. Bingo. Uh, uh, I clearly wasted no time I and mean, they went after him. I spoke to him yesterday for a while. And, you know, it was just one of those things where I'm just going through basic questions. And it was just kind of like, hey, you know, when does your visit happen? Because as Bob and I have (laughs) have discussed, the weekend is becoming like a five day window. (laughs) They don't don't have class. They don't care. (laughs) Everybody, like, you're exactly right, Bob. You know, college guys, like, if there's no Monday to Friday classes, they're like, it's the weekend. Like, whatever else it is, it's just the weekend. So you keep hearing guys reference it and then I'm like, well, what day? And they're like, Wednesday, man, I don't know what (laughs) planet you're on. That's not the weekend. So, um, but, but anyway, um, and so I'm just kind of talking to him about when, you know, I'm like, okay, how, and I was trying to get a feel for how long he was going to be there. And he says, he goes well. If all goes well, I'll be there till the end of the year. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I mean, this is just a dude that's that is expecting. You know, uh, again, I I think it's pretty safe to assume that Trey Morrison will be on Oklahoma's roster going forward.
3: And that was the same type of mindset Wyoming transfer C J Cold uh, Colden had too when I was getting in touch with him. Like, no, this is the only visit I've I've got planned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know, I I don't know. Uh, how exactly they're working with 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 the numbers, and that's why I'm sort of asking. Is it either or, or you know, can it be an and where you take you know two or three in the secondary instead of just one? But it, it's 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 interesting, and I think de- the defensive line with with Wingo, with Jackson and Player, with Jeff with Jeffrey Johnson. That's my other you know sort of wondering here. Do you, all three seem like they would fit and they're legit and they're logical, but you, you can't possibly take all three. So where, where does the numbers crunch start and where does the pecking order
2: begin? Yeah. You, you, Cause we, it, it really will. I mean, like to some degree, if you can knock out a couple of guys, then you get into a just best available, you know, like, okay, we have, you know, we, the basic needs are covered. I, I would have to think that they'd be willing to take two of the three. On the defensive mm-hmm. line, you know those three guys you referenced, but I, I'm with you. I don't know how you justify three when you know, like you said, okay, so you throw in Colvin and Morrison. Well, okay, so now you're at five, and you know we're talking about maybe eight spots. Dart, Trig, okay, seven. So you're you've got one spot left, and you know there there are other holes that they clearly would like to fill, and you also don't know who could still pop up late. I mean, Trig and Dart were late possibilities. Who, who else could show up? Alabama. Drew Sanders, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God, I, 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 yeah, I was... that's somebody I
0: want, we wanted to, I wanted to get into here in a second.
2: Sure. Sure. I mean, so Go ahead. Then, then you're locked in and you know, that's a great eight if you could make that all happen, but you know, you wonder if, Oh, you would like a little, you know, one more spot here to kind of do something with somebody else rather than taking all three defensive linemen or, or, three or four more defensive backs or whatever they plan to do.
0: It truly is amazing when you talk about, like, how much a roster, how much a depth chart can change uh, in the matter of days nowadays, especially with the transfer portal. I mean, we haven't even gotten into how Oklahoma could finish the 2022 recruiting cycle, which, oh, by the way, is now less than a month away from the second signing day. But, uh, yeah, let's let's go Drew Sanders, Josh. Uh, I know that there is – a lot of speculation that this could end up being uh basically an Oklahoma Arkansas battle with maybe Texas looking from the outside in kind of is that where we need to start with that with the former Denton Ryan uh standout
2: yeah you know the drew is drew is just kind of an interesting guy because i you know and i put something up in uh in our Thursday notes right before we got started on the pod and there is Absolutely an overwhelming um, sense of confidence when I read reporters like, oh, this is fact and this is not. And I'm like, man, like even yesterday when I initially said, hey, I don't know if Texas is involved. I said, I think, you know, like I think this, I'm not certain of anything because Drew Sanders is one of the most quiet recruits I've ever covered, even when he was committed he was never one to talk much. And one
3: word answers.
2: Yes. Yes. I remember going to do a video interview with him and he really was okay. And almost from that point forward, you never got anything, any context out of drew. It was just, yes, I will be there. No, I will not be, you know, like it was just, you know, completely, uh, you know, I guess monosyllabic, like it was very straightforward. Um, but so you know you want to be careful but the only thing that does seem to be a consensus no matter who you talk to is that it's arkansas texas and oklahoma there doesn't seem to be any other real options for him um the texas thing i wonder how much is being made just because it's obvious you know steve sarkeesian jeff banks all the alabama ties and you know i I know people will say well jeff Banks. Jeff Banks was Alabama's ace Texas recruiter. He had a big hand in any guy that Alabama landed from the state of Texas in that era. So there's no question. He has a relationship with Drew, uh, Drew Sanders, and that will matter. It's not nothing at the same time. I don't really remember Drew ever being actively involved with Texas. Like that, that was never really a thing. I don't get the impression that it holds the special sway for him that it does for some in-state kids that Oklahoma just never can get over the, the hump about. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, the guys that were recruiting him at Oklahoma, a lot of those guys aren't there and that's true, but also you have to remember that he was recruited as a tight end. So he, and the area he is from means he was being recruited by guys like Kale Gundy, Bill Bedenboe. Like there are guys that are still on that staff that absolutely have a relationship with Drew Sanders. So there is some connection there. I I talked to someone last night that's very well plugged in in the Dallas area, and there are people at Ryan that very much believe he's going to go to Oklahoma. Now, again, I don't. In most cases, from the places I'm hearing it, I'd be like, well, okay, he's going to Oklahoma. I'm not convinced because this is Drew Sanders, and he's just very hard to read. And I think, again, I don't want to fall into the same trap I'm mocking others for. I'm not going to assume anything is fact. But what was the, I do what, like where OU is.
0: What was the situation there with Alabama? Did, just not, not a good fit. Kind of saw the writing on the wall. Maybe wasn't going to get on the field as early as, as he expected. Wasn't, he, wasn't I, he
1: playing early and then he got hurt?
2: Yeah. He, start, he yeah. started against, um, who did they have in the season opener? Um, Miami. Yeah, he started that Miami game. And I, from what I, you know, kind of gathered played pretty well. I won't say that I watched it closely or anything, but it seemed like he was okay. And then he, like Carrie said, he did get hurt. And then, you know, as we all saw on Monday night, Dallas Turner is a thing. So. Uh, you know, no shame in Dallas Turner taking your job. He's going to take a lot of jobs in the next 20 years of his NFL career. So he is a absolute monster. And I, I think, you know, Sanders just said, okay, I can be a role player here that could start at 125 other universities, you know, or I can go to one of those schools, be a starter and probably, you know, Drew Sanders is an NFL talent it's just one of those deals where he didn't want to sit behind Dallas Turner because like I said, I mean, it's, it's not unlike, um, you know, if Clayton Smith had come in the year behind Nick Benito, he probably would have left just cause you know, nothing wrong with it. Nick Benito is just really good. And then that's okay. So I think Sanders just, you know, and that's the other thing. Clearly Oklahoma has some opportunity, but guys, how well, does Drew Sanders I, I've wondered this question about Clayton Smith, and I wonder the same about Drew Sanders in the Alex Grinch team. Perfect plug and play. Yeah. You you know right mm-hmm. where he's going. Yeah. I don't know where he's about to ask. I was yeah. about to ask what spot. And, and that's that's the deal to me. And again, Brent is a little more varied than the guy we remember from his Oklahoma days, where it was just four down, period, flat out, no, no, no exceptions. There, he does some three-down stuff. He'll stand up his end sometimes. He'll do some different things. But those ends are 270 pounds, and that's not Clayton Smith or Drew Sanders. And I, like I said, it, it's just interesting. Like, I I don't know – I mean, clearly OU's bringing him in today uh, as we talk on Thursday. So there are plenty of things that are going to work fine, but it's just – I mean, that Oklahoma thinks they can make work but it's going to be interesting to see how they actually implement it.
3: How, how, how much can the portal affect what you think might happen with the rest of 2022? Is, is that like, is it going to be one of the things where maybe guys they were recruiting the last three, four weeks, and then all of a sudden they just drop off because they found the answer in the portal?
2: Well, you know, I, I know even before Bob, we had talked some about, um, uh, Caden story, the Auburn, yep. uh, commitment, maybe coming in this weekend. I, I have literally, as we've been doing the pod, there are, is some belief that maybe he won't come in this weekend. So I'm wondering if that's connected to, um, how they feel about maybe some of their other guys they're in on, you know, scholarship numbers getting a little, a little tighter, um, or, you know, it could just be, um, you know, some of the movement, I mean, obviously Auburn's, uh, defensive line coach is now at Clemson, you know, maybe, maybe story goes in the opposite direction of a lot of the Clemson staff now in Norman. Um, so th- th- there's a lot of ways that can play, but I do think that, I mean, it, it feels very much to me, like as much emphasis they're putting on the portal, they're trying to get all that they need for 2020, the season of 2022, and then really put all their chips in in 2023 recruiting. I I think Brent, you know, it's kind of, it's something, uh, an old coach, you know, used to say all the time, like, yeah, you know, you get a, you you make a mistake with a four-year player. He's your mistake for four years. You make a mistake with a, you know, the, a portal guy, then, you know, he's come and gone. I mean, it's, if Daniel Parker jr. Doesn't work out, no big deal. He's gone next year. You get the wrong high school tight end you could be stuck with him for four or five years, you know, if, if he chooses to stay. So there's a lot of ways that can all play, but um, I, I I do, I I think 2022, they're trying to be very particular. Like we know we like these guys. We're familiar with them. They're going to be good locker room guy. You know, I, I think as recruits, they have to check a few more boxes than maybe some of the portal guys that, you know, are kind of, you know, in and out, Type guys, the, the you know, the Jackson players, the, the Jeffrey Johnson and those guys, I'm not saying they're bad locker room guys. I'm just saying, I don't think it's, is heavily factored into the decision-making.
3: So we yep. saw yesterday, they offered our Mason Thomas officially. So we assume Ahmad Moten and Thomas
2: still check those boxes. That, that's, that's absolutely my expectation. Now I will say talking to Mason he made it sound like that it happened either a long time ago or a little while ago. (laughs) Yeah. And he goes, I just forgot to tweet it out when it happened. Now he and I haven't had a chance to sit down and specify when it did happen, but I will say I haven't heard anything to make me think that those two aren't still absolutely guys they are comfortable with and confident about. So I I think that's going to play just fine. But, um, it, it is, like I said, nonetheless, it is interesting because we've just never had to deal with this, like where there is, you know, such a balancing act between the portal and the high school guys. And certainly never where it felt like the portal guys were a little bit more on the, you know, urgent side of things than, it, right. than the high school recruits.
0: there's just so much movement going into this weekend and oh by the way it's it's also a weekend in which i guess for the first time this staff will be together right like this is the with with the announcement coming on monday uh you know that oklahoma had finalized its staff this will be the first weekend that they've all been able to be together and recruit together
2: It, it really is and they're continuing to add support staff you know they announced or Today, the you know, a kind of official announcement of something I think we all expected was LaDamian Washington, uh, becoming an offensive analyst at Oklahoma, a guy that's you know played at Missouri, spent a lot of time around that program. And, um, you know, I, I we've talked about it for several weeks. I continue to hear they are going to bulk up the support staff. I mean, you know, I, I don't I, I think it ended up in the warm room. Did you guys see the? The screenshot of the Georgia coaching yes. staff that was like 40 yes. support staff guys <laughs> or something like that. Like, I'm not telling you tomorrow OU is going to have a <laughs> a roster that long of coaching staff, but it feels like it will build at least in that direction. Like, I don't think they're going to, you know, have two offensive and two defensive, you know, analysts and a couple of interns working in their personnel department. It it feels like that's all going to grow.
0: Because of all the transfer portal stuff, have we I guess, has it kind of gone under the radar, just the type of staff as a whole that we can talk about that Brent Venables has put together, especially on the defensive side of the football? Like, have we just I know that we've spent time on it and it's going to take some time for you know, obviously that that staff and everything to come together on the field. But it just seems like nobody's talked about it because there's been so much other, I guess, sexier things to talk about.
2: Well, I, I agree, Eddie. And, you know, I, I think for though, you know, and we I had some questions in board chat, like is the program in trouble? Like, is it going in the wrong direction? I don't think there's any better litmus test of that than, than college coaches. And you look at a guy, you know, and, and Jay I, you can get into the, you know, how things ended in Alabama or whatever, Bottom line is Nick Saban hired that guy a year ago, and now he's coming to Norman to be your corners coach. You've got a safeties coach that has a lot of connection to Oklahoma, but he's a former defensive coordinator. He could have gone a lot of places, and he's going to come coach safeties and Norman and Brandon Hall. Todd Bates, like we talked about last week, maybe as big a position coach hire as was made all season. I mean, that, that was a huge move for OU to be able to get him And, you know, then you throw in all the offensive staff that could have gone lots of places just because of their connect, you know, whether it's USC or getting other jobs that, you know, places that want to learn the things Lincoln Riley does or be around the guys that he wanted on his staff, you know, those, you can look at it any way you want to, but this staff is very good. And I would say in a lot of ways, probably more complete than its predecessor, like, and, you know, and, you know, we know. I liked a lot of pieces of that previous staff. I'm not saying that that's the case, but I don't see as many, you know, like when you get into recruiting and obviously that's the way I look at it, there aren't the obvious guys that you punch holes in and say, I don't know about him. I don't know how he's going to do it because people are going to doubt him for X, Y, Z. There's one guy and I, you know, I, we can all, we can get, I think we've all covered that. People know who I'm, I'm referencing that there are question marks about. But at the same time, Ted Roof's a coordinator. His primary function is not as a recruiter. That's not what he's there to do. That's not his primary goal. But if he can open some doors in the Southeast for guys like Todd Bates and Brandon Hall and Jay Vali and all that stuff, then great, great. That, that can work in that capacity. But other than that, I mean – this is a staff that has a lot of skins on the wall as far as recruiting at a very high level. It's a honeymoon
0: period right now, too. Any any move that Brent Venables makes, it's like, who am I to say that Brent Venables doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> defensively? And he got TD Roof, and he brought his son in. That's more than, like, Drew Sanders, that's the reason he should have come. He's not going <laughs> to in front could, of TD is, Roof.
3: Is, is TD going to be a walk-on? That's my assumption.
2: That, that is my understanding. Um, I kind of wonder if it's going to be a situation where, okay, you know, they, they've got a, a spot of that, you know, they, they get to 83 scholarships or something and then say, Hey, sure, absolutely. Right. You know, mm-hmm. one of these two, but my understanding is that right now he is operating as a walk on and then they'll see what's available. Uh, you know, once the dust kind of settles,
0: I mean, a pretty damn good. I'm, and I'm being serious a pretty damn good walk-on if that's somebody that you can just throw out there. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. And no offense to like a, to a Brian Mead or somebody like that, but he's somebody that you want on special teams. He's somebody that I would imagine you want a part of the program as a coach's kid.
2: I, I don't think there's any doubt. And, you know, you wonder if, you know, he's one of those guys that a year from now is a graduate and is – you know, GA and for OU and and working in that capacity, you know, and then so you start to, you know, get a guy around your program that's young and energetics and you know has been around a lot of different staffs and you know has some interesting input. So like I said, I I it makes all the sense in the world. I, I thought that was a a very solid move for OU.
0: As far as a uh, team centric stuff goes, unless there's anything else from the transfer portal that we need to add, uh, I was just gonna say you know Latrell McCutcheon stuff. Uh, that was news that wasn't necessarily a surprise, right? Josh, we had, you had kind of insinuated that you had heard some things and is it as simple as to say his relationship or lack thereof with Oklahoma's new cornerbacks coach was one of the reasons, is that something that can be fixed or is that something that we consider, uh, Latrell McCutcheon, probably
2: that that road is over at Oklahoma. Latrell is a guy I like a lot, covered him a lot, always been very good to me, made time for me, that sort of thing. Knowing the personality, I would be very surprised. He is not one of those guys that kind of, you know, He he's not one to wither away from something or to back down. He kind of just says, this is what how I see it. And I don't really care how anyone else feels about it. That That's just his personality type. And, I, I would be very surprised if, if Oklahoma was ever back in the race for him, I, I just don't see it. And, you know, I know people say, well, you know, Oh, that, maybe that was a mistake. It's one player you, you can't. And again, I, I think a lot of Latrell, I think he has NFL potential, but you've got to hire the guy you felt was best for that job who, you know, could impact your team for many years, rather than a guy who, you know, it in, in his best world is going to be there two more years and then, and then gone. So you just can't base it off that. And the good news is Oklahoma has two starting, you know, returning corners that have played at times at very high level. So if there's a place and where you could afford that hit it is.
3: and Graham really vouched for the And like, as soon as that hire was made saying he is elite. So it's just weird how, you know, for the relationship with one guy compared to the other, you know, we always, it's it's going to be different. And D, and DJ sounds like he's fired up that Jay will be coaching them now.
2: Yep. Oh, I, I know Zach Sanchez is excited about the hire. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that was, that was interesting, but yeah, you know, the lie, you know, for people that don't know, I mean, guy with an NFL background, you know, coached at Texas for a year. and I know. People say, Oh, he's hopped around he's kind of had the misfortune of he keeps ending up on staffs to get fired. And that's not necessarily his fault. Uh, He was at Rutgers that went down, goes to Texas, you know, Tom Herman gets, you know, let go. And then he goes to Alabama and obviously Nick Saban didn't get fired, but I, I, from I, (laughs) from what I've gathered, it sounds like, Alabama had really expected to land Denver Harris, the big five-star cornerback from Houston North shore. And there were some communication issues with how kind of Alabama was going to come down the stretch with him. And it sounds like it, I guess it's kind of who you choose to believe as far as how and why it played out the way it did. But there's no question that, Velay has done a nice job. Landed. I mean, you know, people in Alabama are like, oh, he can't recruit. Well, he landed like a top 50 guy in the country that was teammates of Brandon Ennis last year at American Heritage. It's their uh,
3: version of he can't recruit.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, Oklahoma at that cornerback will take Jay Velai's problems. That they they will absolutely live in that world. Landed some night, nice, some good players at Texas. Um, and again, it's tough to gauge on one year. It's just really, really hard to do that. Um, so I, I think it's going to be true, but he's a guy with DFW background, um, you know, grew up in the area, played at Colleyville heritage uh, there in kind of the Fort worth area. So, or I guess Arlington, Fort worth um, Ooh, show Cody Thomas, a little bit more respect than that. Hey, Hey, we, but Bob, we all know Bob, my uh, respect Wood Cody Jr. Thomas is not a problem is not a problem. So, <laughs> Bob was there the night the lights went out on uh, what Denton Geyer. So it was one of the best, best performance I've ever seen. But we're not going to get into that.
3: crazy. I know.
0: That is an all-time Scoop HD uh, production, Uh, that game.
2: Eddie, I I mean, I remember I called Eddie that night. I was like, that dude is unbelievable. Like, you're not going to believe the video I'm about to send you. He was was just seven touchdowns. He was passing
0: to rushing. the, The funny thing is. The funny thing is, it sounds like, and I actually talked to Cody uh, when he was back in Norman at a home game a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago. Uh, he's going to start with the A's and their in their uh, professional spring training. Like he's going to start with the big league
2: team. He God, he should. I mean, at some point, he's got to get a chance. All the dude's done is rake. So, I mean, you know, I get that the the Dodgers outfield was just crowded, but still, man, that that dude has hit at every level. Oh, getting um,
0: traded from the Dodger system was the best thing that ever happened to him. Something tells me he
2: was never going to unseat Mookie Betts. Yeah. Which <laughs> what i was saying with, with Drew Sanders and, uh, Dallas Turner earlier, there's no shame in that there's no right. shame. in maybe you not being able to beat out the possibly the best outfielder in baseball. So that's, uh, the, the, that, that's all right. You can, there's still a lot of room between very good and, you know, I can't beat him out. So, um, I don't remember where we're going, but yeah, it, like uh, I said, just, just with the lion,
0: uh, Colleyville heritage and just kind of his connection back into the DFW area.
2: Sure. Sure. And like I said, I, I have heard a lot of good reviews from him. He's, he's a very, uh he's a guy that coaches seem to respond to really like, so that kind of helps you as you're trying to get guys on campus, you know, wanting them to pay visits because, you know, that was something Brent Venable said in that opening press conference, is We want to prioritize, guys coming in and visiting us, seeing us and letting us, you know, get to know them. And I think Vali is the kind of coach that can help with that kind of embody that a little bit.
0: Very good. Uh, man,
3: I, I I feel tapped out. We, We went through it all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's kind of like, and I think Bob, you just kind of quote tweeted something on Twitter that is, is probably pretty true. It seems like We have officially made the transition into portal season or from portal season to visit season. And now it's just about kind of seeing how everything kind of uh, how the chips fall. Like it's now everything is out there as far as guys that are uh, making visits, wanting to go see other places as far as the transfer portal offers. And now it's just about kind of letting everybody go make those visits and seeing where everything kind of lands. I can tell you uh, just in the time that we've been recording this. Texas feels pretty confident about Mario Williams and they've they're particularly Crazy. from the baseball side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like they feel like, uh, you know, the, that they have kind of presented him with something to at least think about. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. And, uh, you know, just, I guess, lastly, on my side, just from a team side, I was talking to a couple other people. Uh, school starts on Tuesday, Tuesday. Of next week. Yep. There are a lot of uh, guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, that are excited to, uh, and I, I know, be careful what you wish for, but are excited to uh, get going with <laughs> Schmidt. I know that there's a lot of guys that have been putting in uh, kind of their own time in the, uh, in the <laughs> weight room, trying to mentally and physically prepare because they know what is about to come, and they've been warned. But uh, it's, it's going to be kind of fun here over the next, you know, specifically this weekend with everybody that's coming in, Uh, you know, transfer portal and high school wise. And then obviously into next week. And, you know, before we know it, we're going to be doing pro days and, uh, you know, that'll kind of lead into spring football. So I, I need to confirm the date of court of when You can
3: still enroll. We know classes start Tuesday and and the ideal scenario is they're enrolled and they're starting, but we know there's a grace period. I, I need to go back and look at when that grace period ends to when you have to be enrolled. Usually, there's no, way, there's no way. they get all these portal guys in by Tuesday. That's just there's. I just can't see that happen. That going that quickly.
0: Usually, that's a situation that you have a couple weeks, right? To, I think. Yes. Like the. I'm looking at it right now. The final day, to. Uh, I don't know. That's graduating seniors. I'd have to look. The final day to, drop classes is January thirty first. So, yeah, you'd have about two weeks, two weeks, two mm-hmm. weeks uh, from the start of uh, the to semester get the, coming up on t- get all your Tuesday, paperwork. Yep. Because yeah. Monday is uh, Martin Luther King Day. So it will be uh, going to be kind of fun over the next couple of weeks to kind of follow how all of this goes. And obviously, with the new staff in place and them uh, being able to you know host people and all that kind of stuff, uh, it should be good. Is there anything on the football side before we jump over to hoops that we need to get into? uh that we haven't
1: guys finished. i know this is um this is tough on josh but we don't have time for hoops this week i'm sorry uh okay i'm <laughs> not right. joking like there we're we're on a deadline today i'm
0: sorry okay um i have to go do we'll things we'll just do our own. <laughs> we'll do our own, Eddie. We'll do our own,
2: <laughs> Bob. That's okay. You guys, guys want to call each other call like a thread on Twitter? You just you two talking back and forth about basketball. Well, that's I mean, fine. And I mean, look, at, it's at
3: TCU Saturday, and they have home games with Kansas and Baylor next week, so they got to win Saturday to come in feeling pretty good. Done. Massive week. Massive week next
1: week. And I apologize. This is mainly my fault uh, because we didn't get started late because I've ripped apart all of our network and I had to rebuild one uh, just for this. So that's why Josh does not sound as crystal clear as normal. So my we'll apologies. Sending a
0: cookie bouquet to Porter <laughs> Moser.
1: Sorry, sorry. And Peter. as I
0: reported weeks ago, Kim Mulkey was scared of Jenny Baranchek. <laughs> that's left why she left Baylor. To go to LSU. But it sounds like it's been a pretty good hire. good win for Oklahoma's women's team on uh, what was that? Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Yep. So okay. back to you. I know it
1: was eighty three seventy seven. That's all I can tell you about that game.
0: Well, oh, that's more than.
1: Just because I get the emails, the fans don't. So, all right. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks to Dead Soxy. Thanks to all you all for listening. We'll be back next week, uh where I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about after a massive weekend of recruiting and transfer portals and. We'll see if uh, Caleb Williams has a destination by then. We'll see if Jackson Dart has a destination by then. It's going to be a really fun weekend, so stay glued in to uh, Soonerscoop.com. I will tell you guys, I believe, I'm I'm told, I dropped off a big check, uh, but I'm told the unofficial 40 hats will be out next week uh, or be to us next week. I'll have to photograph them and get them in the store and all that stuff. But I would say into next week, probably have unofficial 40 merch available for you in the uh, Soonerscoopstore.com. Beautiful, and Eddie. I might just give you a high crown visor. I might. let oh, that have be, one.
0: that and uh, bitch. I'm at a bus stop. T-shirts. Those are the uh, the two next steps, <laughs> and then we will be. Uh, It'll be full time, Eddie what would the merch. Word be? Yeah. I would say full, fully engaged. Maybe even we might even full be looking staffed. at
1: the Eddie Cruz collection soon. I don't know. What's your what what is your uh, Seltzer nickname
0: or Seltzer tag nickname.
1: Jimmy something. What
0: was it? Oh,
1: uh,
0: I don't remember. I should probably uh wave Runner or something. Jimmy wave Runner or something like that. <laughs> Talking about the uh, Eddie doesn't even know. So, do you, that, need well, a, do you
1: need a wave runner collection? Is that what we need? He's stumped, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna, I, I was
0: thinking about saying something and I'm gonna just go full. No <laughs> <part>. <laughs> okay,
1: good because I don't have time to edit this week so. All right, thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Uh, I stayed out of it, which I'm sure a lot of people were happy for.
0: Think eastbound and down and that kind of scene with uh, Kenny Powers on the uh, jet ski. (laughs) (laughs) My God.
1: Look out, uh, Lake Stanley Draper. Uh, Here he comes. All right, that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here from Soonerscoop.com.